Hey Rebels, welcome to another edition of Rebel Parenting. I'm your host, Ryan Dobson, and I am so low on the broadcast today, but I'm on Raps with Producer Kay. Hello. What's happening? Oh, all the things. So I didn't record this broadcast in the new studio, but we're doing raps in the new studio. People are like, what's raps, Ryan? Raps are what we call the intro and the outro of the broadcast, this little portion before we start the interview, and then the afterward, that's called raps. We wrap it with these. This is a good broadcast. I had Reggie Campbell on. He is an author and a speaker and an all-around good guy. He has a book that we do not talk about. I don't think we talk about this on the broadcast, do we? I I think we do, just a little bit. Because we talk about what radical husbands do, the hard conversations. Oh, we do. I think I do mention the book on the broadcast. I think you're right. It's called What Radical Husbands Do, 12 Steps to Win and Keep Your Wife's Heart. Uh, I'm not a big fan of list books and lists like that. And when I got into this book, it was very practical. It was things Mm -hmm. that people aren't necessarily doing today as much as I feel they ought to. And I just want to talk about one of them. And Lincoln and I just finished watching Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, the very first one. Ooh. He has been introduced to Jack Sparrow. <laughs> By the way, it's really funny for a kid. So he watched Star Wars and then he watched Indiana Jones and he was blown away that Harrison Ford is in both movies. <laughs> like that was a big mind one for Lincoln. He was like, what? That's the same person? It's like, ah, uh, actors. And so Johnny Depp, yes. it's like, oh, wait. He does lots of things, daddy. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, he does. Yes. So we're watching that. Why is this dealing with the broadcast today because if you want to ensure that the pirates are going to conquer an island when you jump off burn the ships if there is no way back there is only one way and that's forward and we talk about that in this broadcast and I think in today's age divorce is just thrown around it's thrown around in the church it's thrown around in culture it's just one of those things like oh it was my starter marriage or that was just an oops you know in the beginning it's like you know what We need to learn how to burn the ships so that till death do us part actually means something. Mm -hmm. It'll change our relationships. Great broadcast with Reggie Campbell today talking about what radical husbands will do. Share the broadcast. We find ourselves climbing up the charts on iTunes and it is only because you listeners are grabbing people's phones and going, oh, hey, you're going to like this. And then you subscribe to the podcast for them and then they listen. They do the same thing. So thank you all for subscribing, for liking, for commenting. All those things on iTunes, we definitely appreciate it. We're getting into year end. We could use your donations. Rebel Parenting exists because you donate to us, and it allows us to know what we're going to be doing in the coming year, and there are a lot of things coming in the new year. You can do so by going to rebelparenting.org and clicking on the Donate tab. Producer Kay? Yes. Let's jump into the broadcast. Let's do it. Here is Reggie Campbell on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Reggie Campbell, man, I am glad you're on. I just got off a live video where I was literally screaming. I have never done that before, but I was screaming into the microphone. I'm so tired of hearing that there is this nebulous force holding women down and that that force is this evil masculinity out there, you know, and that men shouldn't be men, although women should be men. But men should be soft and weak and all these things. That's that doesn't sound like a radical husband. You've got a book called What Radical Husbands Do. Uh it, you know, we it was here for a while. We were busy and, and all these different things, and finally we picked it up and wow, Reggie, you've got a powerful story. 
what gave you the courage just to be honest about all the things in your life? You know, I'm going to have you tell a little bit of your story, but before I'm going to get a little, you know, a little foreboding before we jump into it. What gave you the courage just to be like, you know what? I've done some serious things and I'm going to tell a lot of people hoping it will change their life and change their marriage. Well, I've been mentoring eight guys a year for 18 years. And um, so I I invite to apply. I wrote a book called Mentor Like Jesus, and and it sort of lays out the process that Jesus used in selecting his disciples. So I I take take applications, pick eight guys, and walk with them for nine months or a year every year. And through the course of those, uh, those years, I find we, we talk more about marriage than just about anything else. Mm. I mean, it, it, people don't buy solutions to problems they don't have. And if you talk about felt needs, every guy has a felt need of having a better marriage. Wow. And, and they don't say that. I'm sorry. I got I to gotta repeat that line again. People don't buy solutions to problems they don't have. My goodness, if you want to go into big data, marriage books and parenting books there are more of those produced every year than almost anything else. We've got some serious things going on. I love that. That's fantastic. Yes. Mm. So, but the problem is that most of the guys in my groups, I mean, they, they don't want better marriages. They just want better wives. They want their wives to step it up and do what they want when they want better than um, better than the people on their computer screens and yada, yada, yada. And so we talk about that year over year. And so I guess about four years ago, five years ago, uh, I thought, you know, maybe if I pull all that together and and, and put it into a, a a book that would be a straight up piece to men, mm. uh, and, and basically it's about it's it's how I saved my marriage and uh, you know how I won my wife's heart back, and since a lot of guys maybe aren't as dumb as me and and they they still have their wife's heart, how do you keep it if you got it? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it just coalesced around these 11, 12 principles and. And, uh, you know, some publishers looked at it, but since men don't typically um, read marriage books, yep. uh, of course, men don't read anything much. But, Almost uh, they, nobody reads anything. That's the truth. It's, I think the study is 75% of Americans don't read or finish one book after high school. Yeah, it's crazy. There's over a million books published every single year, and three quarters of the country isn't picking up one of them. So you're right. That's the whole thing. We want better marriages, or we say we want better marriages when we're talking, you know, when we complain about wives, but we're not willing to pick up a book and read and try to get better ourselves. We think it's the other person that's the problem. How in your mentoring, you know, that's kind of a, a slap in the face to tell a guy, hey, man, you're the problem, not her. How do do you do that without having guys be like, hey, I'm not up for this. I don't don't want to be involved in that. Well, the the missing piece, the secret sauce is is transparency and vulnerability. And I want to distinguish between the two. Transparency is is the cool thing now. Oh, let me tell you about my childhood. Let me tell you how I was abused, uh, how I was oppressed, and, you know, whatever. Transparency is just kind of like spilling your guts. Vulnerability is different because that's saying – Hey, not only did I screw up, this is what happened to me, but this is where I still am. This is what I'm working on now. I'm a, I'm a work in progress. And, and, and so every one of these groups starts with, with transparency and vulnerability on my part. So when you go in and you, you start in a, in a confidential environment saying, hey, look, this is what I did. This is, this is the life I lived for 33 years. This is where it got me. And then when my wife left, 
and I and I I realized what I had lost and what I was about to forever lose. Mm. That's when I surrendered to Christ. Yep. You and know what, so, Reggie? I I was talking to someone the other night who came to me a few months ago and said uh, he his wife had discovered his pornography problem and he wanted help and he had gone to all of his friends to confess, to get out in the open, to get over it. And I was talking to him the other night and I said, you know, you're one of the strongest, toughest people I know. Your resolve is so strong. Did you just have the strength of will to do that, to quit watching? You know, you were addicted to pornography. You had been in it for a long time. It was a strength of will. And he said, no, I was afraid my wife would leave me and take my kids away. And that one surprised me. And his wife was like, yep, I would have done it too. And I was like, whoa, okay. So with you, let's talk about that. I mean, your wife just upped and left one day and said, can't do it anymore. Let's talk about your story to get you to the place where you've written Radical Husbands. Because it's happening all over the place and husbands don't want it, obviously. So let's talk about your story. Well, people don't change from the light. They change from the heat. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'd taken my wife and my family for granted uh, for, for the whole 13 years we'd been married at the time. And so uh, we went to a marriage counselor and my goal was for my wife to get fixed. And of course, this, uh, if you're going to get, take your wife to get her fixed at a marriage counselor, don't take her to a woman. Uh, this woman saw through me like a plate glass window Ooh. and I walked out. she handed them to me, man. It was awful. And, uh, but she prescribed Good a date. Her. Oh yeah. It was, it was the best thing that ever happened. Uh, but she told us to go on a date. We had a date and it was the first time we had really talked. My wife was so beautiful that night. And, um, and, and she looked at me and she said, you know, we have different dreams. You're not the man I married before. Mm. And um, I got to, I'm leaving. I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I, I got to, I'm, I'm, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how long I'm going to be gone, but I'm leaving you with the kids and I want you to get to know them while I'm gone. And uh, the next she went home and uh, we went home and she took off. And what did that's you the say? No- I mean, did you say, no, don't leave? I mean, was it, or was it just, you knew that there was really, that was nothing. There was nothing you could say that she was, that was it. You know, when, when you've married somebody for 12, 13 years, you know when there is a redeemable conversation and you know when it's not. Yep. And when yeah. she said what she said, it was mm-hmm. over. And then she, she literally got in the car and left. How and that was the, the time. Uh, 10 and 7. Well, we, how did they handle that? Well, they were asleep and um, they got up the next morning and I explained to them that mom was gone and that she would be back, but uh, it was just going to be us for a little while. And it was the very best thing that ever happened to me. I mean, that day when, when my daughter got off the bus, we took a walk through the woods and I got down. I mean, remember now, I'm a, like a 12-year-old Jesus follower, 12-month, mm-hmm. 12-hour-old Jesus follower. And I remember getting down on my knees, which put me about eye level with her. And I said, Aaron, I am so sorry. I, I've been a horrible dad. I have been inconsistent. I haven't been here. I've been worshiping career. And I cried. She put her hands, wrapped me in her, 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 uh, my, my hands around her hair. And she said, it's okay, Daddy. You were a good dad when you were here. Oh, when you were here. And I mean, that week, Ryan was just amazing. I mean, God just spoke to me through my kids, and just it just started something in me that said, "Man, you got so much to be grateful for." So when my wife called a week later, and she said, "How are the kids?" And I said, "Well, 
we're doing okay. I said, but I need to tell you something. I've surrendered to Christ. And she said, yeah, tell me a little bit more about that. And I told her what I had done. <laughs> she said, well, your voice sounds the same, but the words are different. I'll come home for one day. And so six hours later, she came home and we talked and she stayed, slept in separate bedrooms. The next day I said, well, you stay one more day. And she said, okay, I'll stay one more day. She said, I want to see if this is real. Mm. So that was 35 years ago and I'm still on a day-to-day contract. So that's the way successful marriage. You get a leash that is so short (laughs) that you, you are always on your best behavior. But I mean, she saw something different in me when, when I let Christ have my life and I gave up all my anger towards my dad, uh, I put down my expectations for her. And I said, you know, I, she's the best thing around me. I've just got to love her just like she is. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where we started over. And wow. um, so that was the next chapter one in the book. It is. Yep. Is, is tell her that you love her and mean it and that you're never going to go away because mm-hmm. there's a deep seated fear inside all of us, particularly women. Yeah. Um, that 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 they're going to be left alone and abandoned, and when a, when a wife hears you say, "Hey, I'm here. I'm never going to leave," um, that 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 scratches something that's deep down in their soul. It's true. It really is. And and I don't think people. I think people blow that off a little bit. I think they kind of uh, belittle that point a little bit. And especially men, you need to say that. You need to say it regularly. Hey, I'm not going anywhere. Just so you know, I know that what you see on TV of the divorces happening all the time. I know in our church, you see divorces all over the place. I know at school, you see divorces everywhere. I know you see husband cheating uh, on reality shows all over the place. Me? I'm not going anywhere. You got to remind people, I'm different. I know the whole world looks the same, says we're all the same. I'm not. I'm different. I'm married to you. It's the only one. Chapter two, I love. I love chapter two. I've heard that illustration before. In fact, I, I, I drew a little cartoon of it terribly. I won't show it. Uh, to, to my wife, you want pirates to guarantee they're going to take an island. When they jump off, burn the ships. No escape route. You know, we have that though. There is, it feels like it's even in Christian culture, even in evangelicalism, when people get married, it still feels like they know there's one foot out the door because you can, right? It's not that, it's not seen as that big of a deal anymore until you talk to the kids and the families that have gone through it and you realize it's devastating. It's just devastating. Yeah, one of the things that encourages me so much about what I do with these mentoring groups is I've now mentored 136 guys over 18 years. I've had five divorces, five divorces out of 135 marriages. And um, it's it's just phenomenal because when when, when guys meet Jesus and and they commit their lives to following him, he gets their heart, he gets their lives, he gets their marriage, he gets their pride, he gets, you know, and they're, they're not all perfect, but they begin to see where peace comes from. And it's from standing, standing with Christ and for something and not for blowing in the wind like, other, uh, like everybody else. Man, that's amazing. Reggie, that's, my goodness, I don't know how to do percentages, but your percentage rate on that is astronomical, and I want to bring it up because it's working in a way that doesn't work for any other industry. Uh, you know, I study these things. Uh, the success rate of marriage counselors 
in America is 30 percent. I'm going to say that again. That's the success rate. People going to a counselor for marriage trouble pre-divorce, those that don't get divorced after receiving counseling, it's three out of 10, 30 percent, seven out of 10 get divorced. The, the mm-hmm. failure rate is so astronomical, one, because it's far too late. They wait so long to get any kind of help. And I think with mentoring, maybe it's a it's a little bit easier of an entry to get in with a mentor. You know, Reggie, yesterday I had a neighbor who's, goodness, he's at least a decade younger than me, probably one and a half. But he was saying there really aren't any mentors. You know, people don't hand down skills Everybody owns their entire set of tools. There's not a whole lot of borrowing and sharing of information and knowledge. Do you encourage other people to mentor? Is it, I mean, it seems to work so well. I mean, five out of 137, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it works really well. It's not just me either. We've got a, about 5,200 guys who have been through a radical mentoring group mm. somewhere in, in the country or somewhere uh, overseas. And, and the percentages, I don't know what the percentages are amongst all of those people, but here's the deal. Mm. You know, I, I, when I sit down with eight guys, there's nothing off limits. Okay. Right. These are not marriage mentoring groups. These are life mentoring groups. Mm-hmm. Jesus at the center of them. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about career I'm going to talk the futili- about the futility of worshiping career. Mm. You know, one of my pet words, right, is they. You know, they owned me for 13 years. They wanted me to get an MBA at night. So what do I do? For three and a half years, I'm working, at, going to school three nights a week, ignoring my, my toddlers, missing out on the best years of their lives because they want me to have an MBA. Guess what? When my wife was gone, they weren't there. Yeah, that's right. And, and today, I don't even know who they were. I can't even call the name of who they were. You think about the impact of they on us. What will they think if I forgive her for infidelity? Mm. What will they think if I forgive yes. yes. What will they think if I confess to struggling with porn? Mm-hmm. What will they think if I finally give up and go to rehab? I mean, they yep. are ruling us, and they are irrelevant mm-hmm. to real to to the real world. That's, Reggie, here's the thing too. To the people that are worried about that, I want to speak to you. The they I call these the ninety eight. The ninety eight percent of the people will not do that hard choice. They're not going to go to rehab. They're not going to admit a porn problem. They're not going to go to counseling. They're not going to show up at church knowing you know they're going to counseling with their wife because their marriage is in trouble and they're struggling. won't. Those of you that are doing it, don't worry about them. They're scared. They're afraid. They're so afraid that if it happened to them, they wouldn't have your courage, your resolve, your strength, your character. They're so afraid they couldn't do it that they give you the stink eye. And they go, I can't believe you took that guy back that was looking at the porn. And you go, oh, because you couldn't. You'd let your marriage fail. You'd have it end in divorce and your kids have divorced parents. That's what you would do. I'm not going to do that. You know, you were strong when you did that. You took care of the kids. You, you made the hard choice. You gave your life to the Lord. You repented and said, I was wrong. And the guys in your group are doing it as well. One of the ways you've done that, Reggie, and I've, I've, I have seen this. I think this may be the first time I've seen it in a book, two husbands, which is obviously about marriage. It's chapter eight, learn to lose. 
Mm-hmm. We've we can't do that. Isn't it nuts? I had to learn the hard way. Winning in marriage doesn't matter. My goodness, <laughs> it doesn't matter. And I'm so competitive. I'm competitive with everything, with life in general. I love to win. Winning in marriage will ruin your marriage. It'll ruin your It makes you an adversary. You're against your wife. You're combatants against your wife. How did you learn that? I love the way you've put it in the book. Well, I guess I, I learned to lose by uh, by winning a lot and losing everything. <laughs> you know, you win the arguments, you win the decisions. You know, I just my wife trusted me so much that she just let me run things mm-hmm. and make decisions. And I, ultimately, what what led us to the to the prefaces prefaces preface? How do you say that word? Precious. Anyway, yeah, that you one too. Uh, you know, I took a job. I was with AT and T, and I took a job back in Atlanta without talking to her. We had just built a new home. She designed it. We'd been in it 20 months. Kids were close to family. Kids were enrolled in school. Great situation. And they came to me and said, you know, Glenn wants you to move back to Atlanta. And if you'll do that for a year, he's going to promote you to area vice president. I said, okay, I'll go. And, and, And he says, well, don't you want to talk to your wife? I said, no, she'll come. That's called the square root of stupid. All right. I'll let you say it. I was getting uh, nervous. I was trying to figure out where, when the lightning was about to strike. I hear you. It's just crazy. I know. And, and, and you know, I'm, so I'm winning. I'm getting my way. I'm winning. I'm winning. I'm winning. And what I learned is that when you win, when you win and you don't listen to your wife. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine had a real marriage crisis, and my wife found, or, or his wife called my wife, she'd found uh, something on the, or he'd found something on the printer that his wife had written and said, I don't feel like I'll, I'll call him Joe. I, I don't feel like Joe gives me a voice. Mm-hmm. And I talked to my, my friend John about this. And he said, when a woman says she has no voice, that says that her husband has not paid attention to her feelings. Mm. Yeah. And how you, how you win in marriage is when you feel your wife, you see your wife, you feel her and you take her what's coming out of her right brain into account, not just what's coming out of your left brain into account. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so the winning comes in that blissful uh, little period of time when you're on the same page, you know, and it, it's not, I don't care who it is. Tell me that you're on that, same page all the time, and I'll tell you a liar. Yep. It's the no, rarity, but enjoy those short times while you are, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you get to most, most of those come when you collaborate, when you put her first, and when you consider her feelings mm-hmm. and listen to her voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Reggie, where are some of the big landmines that uh, men are stepping on in their marriages? What are some of the early ones, just some of those like, hey, if you can get rid of this, this, and this, we're really going to do good. What are some of those early big ones that really do reverberate throughout the years? Well, on a micro basis, I'd say the number one, uh, the number one thing is, is learn where her raw spots are and, and stay away from them. Mm. You don't solve, you don't solve right brain problems with left brain arguments. Women, as you know, women's brains are 
are tied together in a way that men's brains aren't. And so when your wife says, oh, well, I've got my, my brother is such a jerk. He is so screwing around with my mom's head and uh, trying to maneuver himself to get a bigger inheritance. Mm. Now, most men will jump in and say, well, wait a minute. You know, what's the value of that inheritance and why does it matter? You know, your brother lives four states away. I'm right here. Your kids are what really matter. All left brain arguments. By the way, here's the truth to all the guys listening. All the things you're saying are true. Those are true answers and true thoughts about the situation. And this is the thing, because I, man, I've stepped on that landmine. Boy, have I just blown that one up. I have lost legs doing that one. What your wife wants is defend her. You're right. Your brother is a jerk. Boy, that jerk, if I see him, I'm punch him in the mouth for trying to do that to you. What would you like? Just overreact. Yes, you couldn't be. I Man, that, why is it so hard for, and I'm going to point the finger at me on this one, Reggie. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to do that? You know, if your wife's in a job and she's gotten in a little bit over her head and, and you're defending the client, not your wife. You're defending the boss or the coworker, not your wife. Why do we have such a hard time just jumping in? You're right. They're wrong. I can't even believe, you know. Why is it what I feel so hard-headed because I know I've done that. Why is that hard? Because it's uh, pride and we are fixers. Mm. And we see things clearly because we don't look at it through the same lens that they look at it through. And so we want to jump in and tell them the answer. Here's what you should do. Here's how you oh, should respond. Of course, of course, of course. And what they want is empathy. They What they want, they want, oh, I am so sorry. I, I mean, it, it, it sucks that he's treating you that way. Yep. You know, yep. man, I... I I, they just they just want you to feel them and not fix them. And it's affirming. It's Absolutely. Affirming. Yes. It, it's affirming who they are. Your thoughts and feelings are correct. You do have a right to feel that. You know, it, you know yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's, and that's an interesting one, too. And here's why it's interesting, especially in, in this realm, Reggie. In the evangelical realm of marriage and parenting, when we get into this, it's because part of our job as parents is to teach our children when their emotions are unfounded, when their feelings are unfounded. I'm mad because I can't eat sugar for breakfast. Well, that feeling is unfounded and you shouldn't be angry. And so that's part of our job. And so often we get that role, that weird thing, especially Christianity, where we start thinking, oh, I got to teach my wife some of these things. I got to teach my wife I got to grow her up a little bit and and teach her the ways mm-hmm. of the world and you shouldn't be upset because you know work happens and da 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 I got to tell you man when you're married to somebody no 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 how does she feel that woman in your bed be concerned with her not her boss or her coworker yeah you're not her parent well, you're the husband or the wife whichever loving is listening mm. loving is listening and more and more in our culture they're the, the most unique um, element that you can bring to a relationship is listening. And I don't mean just listening to the content, listening to the feelings and connecting with the feelings in the moment that you're seeing and observing and hearing coming from your spouse, coming from your wife or your husband. And that's, I mean, 
we want to stand up and beat on the table about, you know, respect your husbands. But the reality is, if you want to be respected, learn to listen, Mm -hmm. learn to connect with her feelings and just empathize and don't don't come up with with solutions to her problems. Just listen. And all of a sudden she'll start to respect you because you've got the self-control and self-discipline to not jump Mm -hmm. in and, and try to take over her problems and she will feel loved and cared for. And that's just it's part of the secret sauce to make it work. I agree. You know, I tell you, the first time I started learning that is when I had a daughter. Um, yeah. <laughs> I And she she's emotional. She's a girl. You know, it's so funny. I, 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 I hesitate a little bit to even say that. And she's emotional. She's a girl. She's more emotional than me. She cries regularly uh, and much more easily than my son or myself. And we have this thing with kids. We do it especially with boys. We do it with little girls too. Don't cry. It's okay. Don't cry. Don't cry. Don't show emotion. And it would frustrate her because she was emotional. She was feeling emotions enough to want to cry. And here daddy is saying, no, don't do though. Don't feel this way that you feel. When she would come and cry to me and I would go, oh yes, and wrap my arms around her and just let her cry until she wanted to stop crying. She started crying less and then getting over it quicker because I just let her be who she was. And then as dads, mm-hmm. then we have to look at our wives and say, how have I not done that with you? And how can I now learn to do that with you? Oh, man, Reggie, such good stuff. Hmm. Talk about step 11, stop talking and do something. I think we do that. We, pl- we plan a lot. And, re- you know, I think sometimes I want guys just take some action. Just choose something and do it. Take action. Well, one of the most controversial things that I, I say is that the man is responsible for the quality of the marriage. Uh, and I will tell my guys, if you don't like the way your wife is and you've been married for five years or more, go look in the mirror because you made her that way. I unpack that one. Because I know there's a lot of guys that are like, hang on, you've not been in my marriage. So I'm we sure there are take- exceptions to the rule, but give me why you generally think that to be true. Because I've seen how I treated my wife and I've watched these guys and how they talk about their wives. And I mean, I can't tell you how many cups of coffee I've had listening to guys railing about their wife and this and that and the other. Mm. And, and if we take responsibility for our marriages and we lead, we step up and say, okay, it is my God-given responsibility to love and lead my wife. And so it's not anybody's fault but my own if she's not being led well. Mm. You know, you got a dog? Do you have a dog, uh, Ryan? We, we have had dogs. We have a, a short, brief period right now where we don't, but we've had dogs <laughs> our whole marriage. Yeah. A friend of mine raises uh, dogs. He said 22 dogs. He mm. says, look, there are three elements in raising and managing a good dog. First is leadership. A dog needs leadership. Secondly, a dog needs adventure. And third, a dog needs love. He said, show me a bad dog and I'll show you a master who's inverted those three. They love the dog. They provide the dog with adventure, but they don't provide the dog with leadership. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to compare marriage, husband or wives with that. But I think leadership is the first one. And that says I take responsibility I'm intentional about what I do. Yep. Mm. I'm on I'm on purpose for that. And then I trust God for the outcome. 
that's that's the key yep. is I can't oh, I can't I can't make my wife my life my marriage be a ten, okay? Because there are two people involved, and yes, my wife came with a different DNA than me. Yes, my wife came with a different set of experiences in her childhood, some of which can never be on even process, much less undone. Uh, and, and yes, my wife came with experiences that I had no role in before she came to me. But on the other hand, she is the one person in the world that I am completely and totally intimate with. Yep. I have the most influence with her of anybody in her life. Therefore, what I do and how I treat her, what I say to her, how I respond to her has huge impact. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if I consistently live with her in an understanding way, if I study her, then I've got a good chance of moving the needle. Well, listen, Reggie, you said something early in in this part that stood out. And I was watching a documentary last night on Baker Mayfield, um, the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, first round draft pick, Cleveland Browns. And there's controversy all around him. I get it. And the part that I remember is they had lost a game and he went to the press and said, it's my fault. Mm-hmm. And what I wrote down when you were saying that is if you talk to guys that have been married for five years or more and they don't like their marriage and you point at them and say, look in the mirror, real leaders take blame. Real mm-hmm. leaders take blame. And you can see that across the board. The buck stops here when a CEO stands up and says, yep, our company failed and it's totally my fault, even if underlings below him did things. You know, you watched... Uh, LeBron James do that in the finals. Take the blame for things when other players did things when he wouldn't have done that. But that's what a leader does. And if you're going to be that in a marriage, then you can and probably ought to take the blame. Man, I'm pointing fingers at myself all day long on this one today. But I think what you said then that's so important is that leadership is taking responsibility and putting faith in the Lord. It's, if responsibility alone is only hard work, you know, if you, t- if you gave this book and took all the faith elements out of it and you said a leader takes responsibility for his marriage and you can work your way into a great marriage, I don't believe you. But you and the Lord can work your way into a good marriage. Well, and, and that's why I wrote the book the way I did. I put the 11 chapters or, or the 11 principles and you can read those, and there's not a, a lot of faith elements in there. I mean, those I think they would help anyone. Yep. But when you get to chapter 12, what you're, you're going to hear me say is you, you don't have much of a chance of living mm-hmm. these things out successfully if you don't have faith. Right. I mean, if you, don't have, mm-hmm. if you don't have the love of the Lord inside of you, you don't have the fruit of the Spirit, peace, patience, love, joy, you don't have those elements at work, and you're going to have a really hard time. Uh, loving her consistently when she's not loving you back. Um, but but I, I, I really do think that we have responsibility uh, for leading and loving our wives. You know, you look at other elements of our lives. If you decide that you're going to be a great guitarist, mm-hmm. okay, do you, you come up with a plan and you say, okay, I'm going to practice 15 minutes a day. I'm going to take a lesson once a week. You know, and over time, you can get better at being a guitarist. If you decide you want to get in shape. What do you do? You yep. make a plan. Every day you work at it. Every day you work at it. And you say, okay, all right, 
what's the most important relationship in my life other than my relationship mm-hmm. with God? Oh, that's my wife. That's my marriage. So what am I going to do? Yep. Well, I'm going to go to church on Sunday yeah. or mm-hmm. we're going to go to a marriage retreat. Well, that ain't enough. Hey, listen. Don't work. No, they're not. We did the survey. We did the study. We asked people, after your marriage, how much have you invested monetarily? How much have you spent specifically on your marriage? A book, a conference, uh, counseling, anything. How many? Of you, how much have you spent specifically on your marriage? Most, well over 50%, not $1. They've not invested nice. a, a dollar into their marriage. They've not gone to the conference. They've not read the book. They've not been to counseling. None of those things. And as a man, this is one thing that I can say. If you get oil changes, you should go to marriage counseling. It's preventative maintenance. It's right. so much better to have a third party to get you over those roadblocks you keep coming up against. Those fights you've had for five years, for 10 years, you keep bringing it up. You never get past it. Third party, get that oil change. Get into a mechanic. See what you can do. Yeah, Ryan, one thing I wanted to make sure we touch on um, in, in, in directly connecting this back to rebel parenting, you've heard, and I'm sure you've said on this program multiple times, that the best thing you can do to parent your kids is to have a strong marriage. Yeah. That's kind of a colloquialism in church world. But I want to give you a specific example mm-hmm. of, of something that, that uh, validates that. In radical mentoring, one of the first exercises that guys do is they go home, they come home from work, or they come from the basement, wherever they work, but they re-enter their wives' world at the end of a workday. <clears throat> and they there to go within five feet of their wives and stay there for five minutes. No non-sexual touches are okay. No thumbing through the mail, no petting the dog, no playing with the kids. Five minutes of complete focus on their wives to listen with both content and feeling of how their day went, just reconnecting <clears throat> and, and do that for 30 days and come back to the group and debrief. Well, one of the guys in my group, I guess my second group came in and after doing this for 30 days, he said, <clears throat> Kathy and I were in the kitchen and we had to send the kids to couch time so we could do our, our, um, our five feet for five minutes. And he said a few minutes into it, our son, Jackson, came over and started unloading the dishwasher. Jackson is six. He's never unloaded a dishwasher in his life. He goes to him and he says, Jackson, what are you doing? Why are you unloading the dishwasher? He said, Dad, I thought if, if I unloaded the dishwasher, maybe you and Mom would talk longer. Oh. Reggie, that's heavy. We're not raising good kids. We're raising adults. Yeah. <clears throat> we're showing we're showing Jackson how to treat his wife. Yeah. And that's why I'm so passionate about mentoring uh, and marriage. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Man. Well, and it's worked. Obviously, it has. I mean, you talk about the 137 and 5. It's, it's worked well. And it's encouraging. It really is. It's encouraging. Hmm. We got emotional in here on that one. <laughs> I got my producer here. It's true. It is. It's true. We talk about that all the time. If you want your kids to have a good marriage, work on your marriage. If you want your kids to be good with money, work on your finances. If you want your kids to have good relationships, work on your relationships. 
You want kids to be hard workers? Be a hard worker. You are that role model and the example. I have that in my life. And so it is. It's so important to think about that when it comes to marriage and relationships. Wow. Reggie, thanks for being on today. This is such good stuff. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm honored that, that uh, you, you ask. I, uh, mm. uh, the connection between what, what I'm about and what you're about is so strong. Uh, you know, parents are interpreters for their children and mentors are interpreters for the adults. Yep. You know, what I what I get to do with these groups and what other men and churches all over the country get to do when they're when they're mentoring in these small group contexts is help interpret what's going on for the guys that they're mentoring, just like a parent interprets what's happening in the in the world around their children. So I'm 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 a blessed man to get to do this. I hope uh, I hope other guys will get excited about it and uh, and get their churches interested too. It's all free, by the way. We don't sell or charge anything for uh, making our content available to uh, to anybody. Wow. Well, I tell you what, we definitely want to have you back on to talk about radical mentoring after talking to you today and especially the conversations we had over this weekend about mentoring just with the people in my neighborhood. Uh, it's something I'm interested in, and we've talked about it enough. So I definitely want to get you back on, Reggie. Thanks for being here. We appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. Take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Rebels, I hope you enjoyed that. Husbands, burn the ships. Start putting your marriage as a priority because that will say so many things in your family, to your kids, to those around you. You know, every time I think of this, I think of the Toby Mac song uh, where that chorus is, shining for the world, shining for the world to see. Uh, You and me, our love is like a match. Uh, and it shines for the world to see. Mm. And that's one thing we can do. Is my marriage with Laura perfect? And then, and then, producer Casey sees us on a day-to-day basis. And we point ourselves in the right direction. We try to do what's right. We pick ourselves up. We dust ourselves off. We apologize. We go again because it is till death do us part. Right? Amen. All right, Rebels, thank you so much. Thanks for donating. We appreciate it. Here at Year End, when you donate, it tells us what we get to do next year. Do so by clicking the donate tab at rebelparenting.org. All donations are tax deductible. God bless. See you next week.